Welcome, Mike the Baptist. So glad you could join us. Uh, and of course, I'm talking to you guys at the table, uh, but also the people who are listening, tuning in. I'm glad you joined us too. But I'm always impressed when the people at the table show up because it's always a good sign. If you're going to put one of these together, it's always nice if the other Somebody people show shows up. up. Yeah. yeah, because, well, it just is. But welcome back, H.T. Jones. Hey, happy Saturday morning. Good to see you. Thanks for getting up so early on your Saturday. Appreciate you. And, uh, it's good to see you. I'm looking for uh, interesting things to come out of your head today. <laughs> <laughs> we say that every day. Yeah, Your mouth, man. I know, right? Sorry. Uh, Jason Riccardi. What's up? Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Always good to see you. Uh, I have a theory, and I'll tell people this. I may be wrong, so I may be lying to people. I don't want to lie, but I've told people that you can shave your beard off, and that afternoon you have it back. I well okay look it's funny that you say that so I got in trouble frequently in school yeah uh, because they had a no sh- you had to shave policy like all students had to shave so you had to take a razor to school I, I, I could shave in the morning uh-huh. and I have a five o'clock shadow by about ten o'clock in the morning so <laughs> I, I would have te- this one teacher in particular would always come to me and she's like you didn't shave today I'm like I actually did and she said no you didn't I'm like I did it just grows really quick I mean it's just yeah it's it's so, uh so I'm not lying to people no. That's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and I'll point it out again. I've noticed that uh, all the men that show up on this program have whiskers of some sort. Speaking of whiskers of some sort, Coons, I noticed on <laughs> hey Jackson. a recent episode. It's so good to see you, too. <laughs> when, it would, when, you, when it would get a straight shot of you on the video, uh, your whiskers were off kind of to one side, kind of like side. they were blown in the wind. <laughs> well, there's a little current in here from time to time. You know? <laughs> well, that's a lot of hot sure. air. That's, that's why you've given me this screen now to cover all that up. That's for sure. Michael Coons is back. <laughs> sure. Good to have you back. I'm not sure. Okay. And good to have all of you folks back. Uh, send us a comment, uh, an email, the old-fashioned email. Send us send us something to comments at mikethebaptist.com. Questions, comments, etc. We received an email. Uh, oh, sorry. I accidentally hit the buzzer. Uh, the buzzer, by the way, if you're new to Apparently, emails are off limits. Well, no, we want those emails. But uh, if, if you're new to the program, we have a buzzer. If people get too spiritual on this program, they get buzzed. So it's just the way we roll. We received an email from a person labeled only E period J period. So they obviously wanted to be somewhat anonymous. They said, you stepped on my toes with your Bible talk. I will try to do better than I did last week. I usually enjoy the program. <laughs> LOL, EJ. Thank you for your email. Uh, your email may get read right here on the program. So I've got something. a marketing idea. It just came to me. Okay. Go get buzzed with Mike the Baptist. That's kind of, you know, I like the 70s. Right. So that kind of fits right, right in that right. stuff. Get buzzed yeah. on Mike the Baptist. There you go. Great. Yep. We'll put a commercial together and <laughs> see if the uh, Southern Baptist Convention or any other convention. That right? one okay might that. need some retooling. Yeah. Well, that's, it just came to me. That is true. <laughs> we can tell. <laughs> anyway, thanks for your email. If you've got a question, comment, uh, or something, send it to us. And uh, we may or may not talk about it. Speaking of talking about things, on the front porch today... Uh, I always like to get in the minds of preachers and like to dig into their past and kind of see what it is that has built them to be what they are today. One thing that builds a person is pets. 
you know, when you're a kid, even when you're an adult and not a kid anymore. Um, well, that wouldn't be a kid anymore if you're an adult. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, our pets. You know, we all have a pet that, that might have been a favorite as when we were a kid or as an adult. I thought it'd be interesting to talk about our favorite pets. But you know me. I don't want just a simple, your favorite pet. I also want the conversation to be your favorite pet plus an animal you just don't care anything about. I think it'd just be interesting to know uh, animals that get on your nerves or you just don't like. So, Coons, you yeah. look confident. Are you ready to share with us? Of course I am. Okay. Yeah. All right. Coons so, confidence. We, Coons confidence. Yeah, we're going to trademark that. It's a real thing, too. Uh, so, uh, favorite pet, I'll go back to... Uh, a dog that we had before I was born. Uh, name was- <laughs> Wait a minute. How's that your favorite pet? You weren't even here yet. That's right. Okay. So he was like three, a couple of years old probably by the okay. time I came about. Okay. So uh, he lived to be, I think, 16 or 17 years. But he was just a mutt, a uh, little short, squatty mutt dog. I don't know what he was. But uh, he was real thick. Could you start over? I wasn't paying attention. I was doing something technical. I don't know if I can really do that again, but I'll try. I just missed the very first of that. Sorry. (laughs) All right. So, uh, yeah, favorite pet. uh, Going back to the dog that we had uh, when I was born. He was around for a couple of years before I was born. His name was Teddy. And Teddy was just a a mutt. uh, But he was real stout, uh, real strong. Um, But uh, Teddy lived to be about 16, 17 years of age. And uh, before he died... He was blind and he was deaf. So you could holler for Teddy. You could try to get his attention. And he's just in his own world. And that's ultimately what got him killed because he walked out onto the highway. Okay. Am and, I supposed uh, to laugh or am I? Because I'm really holding a lot terrible. back here. Is this supposed to be an uplifting story? It's, a, it's such an uplifting story. Why did we all laugh? It's terrible. <laughs> okay, we're sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. That's okay. <laughs> but uh, You sure his name wasn't Lucky? Lucky. <laughs> but Teddy, <laughs> one, one funny thing about Teddy was. Well, that's already been some funny things. It's some good stuff already. Yeah. Um, you know, he'd eat his dog food, but he would eat anything else that we would take to him if you would put ketchup on it. <laughs> It didn't matter what you took him from the table. I mean, it could be liver and onions, which I would not eat. But if you put ketchup on it, Teddy would eat. Teddy it. would chow down on that stuff. That's hilarious. Yeah, ketchup is tied for last place with all condiments. Well, I'm sorry, people like mayo and ketchup. Those are last place condiments. I'm yeah. starting to like Teddy. It reminds me of my grandkids. Well, you know, they got something in common. Just put Just ketchup, put on, ketchup, they'll ketchup. on it, and they'll eat it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that was Teddy. Yeah. So animal that I don't like. Okay. <laughs> A cat that we had. Uh, yeah, I, I cats, don't like cats. Cats get a bad rap. Yeah. No, they're just a bad rap. They're, they're just bad. <laughs> we had one that we got a couple, two or three years after Janet and I got married. What? And uh, it's a little Siamese that we got from the yeah. shelter. And um, Did it have a name? Curie. 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 C-U-R-I. Curie. That's interesting. And, uh, yep. And uh, Curie was, would just, you know, be a cat, just be bad. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, she was probably less than a, or about a year old. We uh, built a house, had the open cabinets in the kitchen and stuff. And up there on top of the open kitchen cabinets was great-grandmother's teapot. Hmm. And, of course, Curie got up there and turned it into a million pieces. Exactly. And, uh, so Curie and I didn't like each other from that point on. And, cats? of course, yeah, cats. Curie lived to be 18 years old. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. So she was going to torture me as long mm-hmm. as she could. Yeah. Devil cat. Yeah. Cats, yeah. Cats bring it on themselves sometimes because yeah. they have such an 
independent streak. They do. Yeah, they're, they're good footballs. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is off to a rip-roaring start. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jason? Yeah. So I, we have had dogs my entire life. I just, I'm a dog guy. I love dogs. But uh, the one I'll tell, talk about is – when we first moved to the the church that I'm at now, my daughter, my oldest daughter was like, hey, we want a dog. And we already had a dog. My wife had a little Shih Tzu, and she said, yeah, but that one's old and doesn't do anything. <laughs> Did it so know he, Teddy? <laughs> no. I'm sorry. He, I'm really he sorry. He actually, he could sit so still on the couch that people thought it was a stuffed animal, and then they would be surprised when he would move. It freaked people out. It was really kind of funny. But anyway, my daughter prayed for a dog. She she hit me up for her. She's like, hey, dad, I want a dog. And I'm like, no, we don't need a dog. We already got one. And so then she had this really thick dog book. I mean, it, it must have been an inch and a half thick. And she read through the whole thing at a young age and decided on the particular dog that she wanted. And she told me, dad, I, I want a Malamute. I'm like, what? What is a Malamute? Well, it's a big version of a Husky or whatever, but it's not a dog that you see all the time. I mean, it's not like a, a Doodle or a Golden Retriever or anything like that. It's not a dog that you see everywhere. And I was like, honey, I've never even seen one of those. They're going to be expensive. We can't do it. Whatever. So she started praying about it after she told me, and I, I shot her down, and I had told her, hey, the only way that's going to happen is if it God just drops one on our lap. And so like a week later... <laughs> A week later, that dog shows up at the church. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, just shows up at the church, and so that that's been with a, a collar re- and a name on it. But he refused to call the owner and say, Do you "No, want no, no. <laughs> we called the owner. We called the owner, and the owner's like, I don't have a dog like that. What are you talking about?' And so after we did our due diligence, and the owner said it's not my dog, we were like, "Okay, well, we'll go ahead and adopt it." And so we had that dog uh, for nine years. What was this dog's years? name? Balto. Balto. So my daughter decided to name it Balto. If you remember the story of there was this pandemic that was going through Alaska, and it's actually based on the Iditarod race. And so there was this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was no, a dog I I... who who finished this relay of bringing this necessary medicine to Nome, Alaska, so that people would uh, not die of this pandemic that was going through. And nice. the dog's name was Balto. So well, that's neat. Yeah. Interesting. So. So that story got nowhere as insane as I was expecting. I really thought. Well, there are other ones, but. I'm you know, sure there are. <laughs> careful what you're fishing for. Yeah. Uh, careful what you're fishing for. Balto. Yeah. So, Curie. Curie. Teddy. Teddy. And Balto. Balto, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, the animal that I don't like, and this is not, I was going to go with cats, but you, you, you already took that. Too. No, okay. I'll yeah, go with yeah, a he bird. Had, he had two. There's one particular oh. bird that my parents had, and I was, I was just out of high school, and for I think it was an anniversary or birthday, my mom got my dad some cockatiels. Not not cockatoos. Those things lived to like a hundred. Yeah. But cockatiels. Yeah, they and they lived quicker, to like I, think. I don't know, twenty eight or something. Yeah, twenty twenty seven. And I remember telling my mom, laughing at her at the time, I'm like, you know those things live like a really long time. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be fine. It's going to be good. Well, one of those cockatiels, my dad was a big Rocky fan, so he named him Rocky and Adrian. And uh, one of them was just a jerk. I mean, he was a jerk. Was that Adrian? It, it actually was Adrian, and I think he may have been a jerk because we misnamed him. We thought it was the girl and it was the boy. But he was a jerk, man. He would, It all started when my dad was a mechanic, 
it all started when they were helping trim the feathers so they couldn't fly around and like fly into a wall and die. So that bird bit through a a, uh, a kitchen towel, a hand towel, through my dad's thick calloused hands as a mechanic bit through that and drew blood and so my dad threw it across the room just as a natural reaction <laughs> wings or not the hit them all that, that dude was a jerk the entire time for like 20 something years he was a jerk and and he passed away a few years ago god rest his soul so i am not him sad. across the room did not adrian him did in. not kill him adrian the jerk him. Bird. he was a jerk man i think pita is going to be getting uh Gonna be calling Mike the Baptist. We'll see. Comments at Mike the Baptist. Either yeah. way, Jason came through. Yeah, because that nice dog story, right? And then Adrian the jerk bird. <laughs> yes, he was a jerk, man. That's still, really good. Still, like I, I don't know. So man. I'm equally anticipating what may come next because HD is now going to talk about <laughs> favorite pets. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So I this could be good. grew up on the farm, could so be. we had all kinds of crazy animals and stuff. But I remember we had this one Australian Shepherd, beautiful dog, because most of ours were always just mutts. You know, some of them just showed up, you know, and we'd feed them and they'd stay. But uh, Dad somehow knew somebody, and we got this Australian Shepherd. She was gorgeous, had one blue eye, one brown eye, white coat, just just a gorgeous dog. But she was crazy i mean she'd go with you anywhere but certain times of the day she would run around the house and bark and then run back around the other side and come to the same place and bark and we were like what is wrong with this dog well one sunday afternoon we pull in after church and trixie's laying in the carport and dad pulls in the dog's in the way he starts blowing the horn the dog doesn't move so what we realized was Trixie was deaf. <laughs> oh, she was oh, deaf, ah. and she was running around the house barking as just kind of her way of marking her territory. But we had no clue. Because, like, when you'd call her, I mean, she would sort of come to you. I guess we just weren't paying that much attention. But the poor. So we called the vet, and we're like, you know, is this something that just happened? And first thing out of his mouth, Australian Shepherd? Yes. Blue eye, brown eye? Yes. Well, that's just a, you know, that's just a trait to those dogs. So, really? They lose their hearing? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Didn't know that. But a good a good dog. A couple of just funny stories. So when Susan and I got married, we didn't go with cats. We got a Cocker Spaniel. Big mistake. Very we, big mistake. Because we lived what? in an apartment. No, look, I love Cocker Spaniels. That they're, was almost my story. They're gorgeous. <laughs> they're gorgeous. But lived in an apartment. Really didn't have a lot of grass to be able to go. So we decided to paper train the dog. Okay. So we did that for our first year of marriage in Knoxville. We moved to Hendersonville and had the dog at our house and everything was fine there. Then we decided to uh, move into another apartment while we were building a house. So I went to mom and dad, lived in the country. I'm like, hey, can y'all just keep the dog until we can get our house built? Dad's like, yeah, but it's not staying in the house. It's going to have to come outside dog, and which I was fine. That's, he'll either make it or he won't. So <laughs> Foster became an outside dog. And because I think we had paper trained the dog, it had this wonderful um, habit of doing his morning constitution right behind my dad's car. <laughs> well, that went on for a few months, and then all of a sudden I was there one weekend. I'm like, hey, where's, uh, where's Foster? My dad never said a word. <laughs> 
so he would never he own up. It. He would never own up to it, but I think he got tired of scraping poop off the concrete behind his car, and he either gave the dog away or dropped. There's still a mystery there about Foster. About Foster, yeah. Uh, another just real quick story. So my sister back in the day, she uh, 15, she had to have open heart surgery. Well, that year. Mom and Dad were just, you know, just just loving on her and gave her a lot of things. One of the things they gave her was this little teacup toy poodle, Pierre. Hmm. <laughs> well, Pierre that lived just up, sounds pretentious. Pierre yeah. lived up to his name Poodles because can be that way, he uh, he would hike his leg on everything, and you know, just try to train him and all this stuff. Of course, I couldn't have my dog in the house, but my sister could, and that's another story. I need counseling for that, but. Uh, so Susan and I come up to the house one day, and we knock on the door, and little Pierre's running around. And my mom has this pair of shoes sitting there, and old Pierre just loads up them shoes. I mean, he just whizzes all in. <laughs> and before we can get in and tell my mom, she puts the shoes on, she's walking around. <laughs> we're just uh, – we're like, oh, yeah, this is bad. You know? So, yeah, we've had some crazy animals along the way. I would like to have had some uh, – uh, security cameras in your house oh growing up because uh, your, your family uh, yeah we're, we're entertaining y'all have some entertaining episodes yeah, yeah we did so uh, uh, my favorite animal of all time was Bogey the St. Bernard we had a St. Bernard here when my kids were young and uh, it's like a human being that dog they're just so kind they're, they have no idea they're that big but they're just as kind and gentle as they can be. Was it a uh, lap dog? He thought he would he would sit in your lap. <laughs> he would uh, try to get in the bed, and he'd take up the whole bed to lay around with you. He would walk through the living room. Uh, oops, my mouse. He would walk through the living room, and you know how dogs will jump up on your couch. Well, Bogey would walk by the couch. He'd walk sideways to it and look at it, and then just lean over. And he was laying on it. <laughs> but he was he was he was really funny. He was just really gentle. Uh, he would go to the creek. We have a creek below my house. We go to the creek. When we come up out of the creek, you know how when a dog is wet, they get really happy, and they start running. And well, he got he would get happy and start running, and he would come right at you full speed. And he, if you stood there, he would jump up into your chest. So you had to dodge Bogey. And, uh, the kids we had what we called Bogey Rodeo once in a while. Well, when my son was small, we'd get him or any any kid get him around back of Bogey, get Bogey to sit down. And then the kid would get kind of lay on Bogey's back, put their arms around his neck, and then you jump to the side, and Bogey would <laughs> hop up, and then Bogey rodeo. But, uh, somebody in the neighborhood where I live, uh, I don't know if they killed them illegally or what, but they would uh, kill a deer once in a while during the winter. And then they would butcher them up the hill. And once in a while, we'd go out in our yard, and a deer hoof would be laying there. Bogey loved to visit other areas and so uh one day i'm looking out my front window when bogey was around and i see it what looked like a deer hoof laying out there by the sidewalk but it was sticking up it wasn't just laying on the ground it was sticking up and i'm kind of looking out the window and i walk out there and look it was a deer hoof but it was attached to a board <laughs> and it was a long board and obviously there was another deer hoof on the other side one of my neighbors uh Bogey would go see a neighbor far from this house, or that the house where I live, and cross the highway and visit these neighbors. Well, he had gone into their garage and took one of their boys' uh, uh, gun mounts that they had made out of deer hoofs. <laughs> he drug it all the way back here in their yard. Bogey. Uh, Trixie. You had three. Trixie. Trixie uh, Pierre. 
Trixie and Pierre Foster. and Foster. Yeah. And Foster disappeared. Yep. Whereabouts unbeknownst. And Balto and Rocky. Balto and Rocky. Teddy. Teddy and Curie. And Curie. Uh, the only question I have, when Teddy got older, did you call him Ted? Nope. It's always Teddy. It's always Teddy. Well, that was that was as fascinating as I thought it would be. I was aiming for a short front porch, but when this got started, I thought there's no way to shorten this. Uh, so anyway, in the interest of time, thank you, thank you for sharing your inner stories about pets and animals. And we'll take a break, come back, and uh, clean up by being a little more serious. So we'll be back. Good luck. Good luck. The teamwork we're watching represents one of many ways to build balance and poise. And there are other things to be gained from this sort of activity. And to find out what they are, let's meet some of the members of this group. This is Ernie Allen, no surplus of soft fat. Here's Hal Thompson. Notice his alertness, his bright interest. And meet Jean Taylor. She's a living example of poise and confidence. A year or so ago, Ernie was in a rundown condition. The doctor suggested a three-point program for health. Sleep, right eating, and exercise. When Ernie felt stronger, and Ernie grew stronger, he increased his daily quota of activity. And it's important that it be regular. Here's a trunk stretching exercise. See how the hips act as a pivot. Ernie found that he could build good health and enjoy it. What about Jean Taylor? What's her story? Jean wondered if she could do something to make friends easier. And then she saw one way other people make friends. That's right, engage in sports. So Jean finally took the big first step and got started with some physical activity. Here's a good exercise to develop poise and balance. So when Hal invited her to join the acrobatics club, don't think Jean wasn't pleased. That's another way exercise has helped. Now, what got Hal started with the acrobatics club? So what was his need for physical activity? Not long ago, Hal was all work and no play. Study, study, study. So it's not surprising that Hal began to make mistakes. And he had no release for nervous energy. He needed some other activity as an outlet for his emotions. Physical activity can provide excellent release for nervous tensions. The pleasing tiredness that follows exercise promotes complete relaxation. So, after talking it over with his physical education instructor, he learned a few exercises. Try this to stretch the muscle fibers and tendons at the back of your knees. Go easy at first, until you feel the stiffness leaving. What of the others of this group? Why are they here? Perhaps they want exercise to increase their strength and endurance. Perhaps they want to establish outlets for their emotional tensions. Perhaps they want to gain poise and self-confidence. Of course, tumbling, is only one of the many ways to obtain exercise. Almost anyone can find some source of exercise with little or no equipment. It's up to you to see that your body gets the activity it needs for better physical and mental health. You know, the Bible is a fantastic collection of writings. It's a true story. That is a true story. I bring that up a lot because it is a true story, Jason. And I'm not sure I'm not sure the Bible is appreciated as it should be nowadays. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. And not maybe not just and not even just the uh 
just the culture as a whole, but even uh, maybe even in churches a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. Know, we know it's there, but and that's part of why I like these talks here. And there's so much stuff in there that when you get to talking about it, it becomes real. And I don't know. Maybe I've just practiced or, or pretended to be uh, churched in the past, and that's still in my head. And I'm growing to appreciate actually what is written in this collection of writings. I'm growing to appreciate it. And these talks help me do that. I don't know if they help you guys or not. I do know that y'all try to start them out one way, and my head goes a different door, direction, and sometimes I hijack the conversation. But, again, I represent the common man here at the table, so <laughs> I'm going to do my job. Uh, when it comes up but speaking of fascinating stuff in there let's talk about what y'all have found in there this week and uh, see where it goes we've been reading through uh second timothy which is probably paul's last letter he's uh in prison writing to uh his friend the younger friend that he's encouraging one of the things that he talks about to timothy's he kind of takes him back in his story takes him back and talks about his mother and grandmother uh you know, in all the Bible, when you read, there's some names that are hard to pronounce, you know, like Jehoshaphat, and you're like, you don't hear many Jehoshaphats, but this is Lois and Eunice, which really sounds like it should be in like a Happy Days episode or something, but he talks about this mother and grandmother that uh, invested their time into uh, Timothy and just helped him to grow and mature in his faith, not knowing where that would end up. You know, and as, as we think about that, you know, we have to look back on our own life because you know, becoming a Christian is really not just a single episode in your life. It's not something that just happened, but God has been orchestrating all these things in our life. And even when we become Christians, then he's orchestrating people around us, events around us to help us to grow and mature and become like Christ. And I thought it'd be kind of interesting to think about uh, people in our life that sort of helped you in your journey. Maybe uh, help lead you to Christ or kind of uh, saw something in you that they encouraged and helped you. Maybe they didn't know that you were going to be a preacher. You know, I've heard some people like, oh, that kid right there is going to be a preacher. But I don't know that we know those things early on, but they thought enough about you to pour into you and help you. So I thought it would be a good thing just for us to talk about. Yeah, and uh, especially with the, uh, the professions profession that we're in, uh, you know, we probably have a lot to pull from. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my ministry, as far as uh, having mentors in my life, there's been a bunch of them, uh, older pastors, well, they're older now, uh, that have poured into me through the years. Uh, some of them have already gone on to be with the Lord, and uh, there's several of them that are uh, still here and get to talk to them on a regular basis. And, and uh, you know, uh, one of them, a couple of them y'all have met. You know, uh, I think we've been on the phone with Mike Thompson before, one of my uh, pastors when I was actually called and surrendered to the ministry. And then uh, Brother Holly uh, came on later uh, in my ministry and has been a, a good helper to me. And and uh, you see in, in fellows like that, like what we see of Paul. And they got nothing, uh, worldly speaking, out of pouring into me. Uh, they gave a lot of time, still give a lot of time, They've bought me a lot of meals just to hang out with me and stuff like that. And they just genuinely want to pour into other people, uh, help me develop. And, uh, you know, I'll still go to them. And, uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago, uh, you know, Holly had to kind of correct me on something. I was thinking about something incorrectly. 
and you know just get me thinking the right way again uh, scripturally on some stuff and uh, so I have guys like that but then also outside of the ministry but related to the ministry I go back to my dad as well uh, because you know of course dad being one of the biggest influences on my life uh, and when I went uh, to him I guess it was the day after I surrendered to the ministry because it was in the middle of the night when I did that and like the next day I was talking to dad about this this decision in my life and dad tried to talk me out of it mm. and he's like I don't want you to be a preacher he's like I've seen the way preachers have been treated and he himself being guilty of that as well at a time in his life being mean to uh, a pastor for a number of years and he's like I don't want you to go through that kind of hurt and to have that have that in your life and uh, but I also appreciate that because I had another pastor tell me one time if you can talk somebody out of going into the ministry, they weren't called to the ministry. Because uh, if you've been called to the ministry, you're going to do it. I mean, God puts that on your heart. You're going to do it. Man, it's going to talk you out of it. Makes sense. So, uh, you know, looking back at that at the time, I didn't quite understand that, you know, uh, with my dad. But looking back on that, I'm like, man, he he challenged me, you know, and really challenged my calling uh, of what I plan to do, you know. So uh, guys like that, you know, what a blessing. You know, I had somebody like that in my ministry early on. There was a guy named Jerry Evans, and uh, just a phenomenally good guy, phenomenally good man. I mean, when he passed away, I got I got a chance to go to his uh, funeral in Santa Fe a few years back. And when he passed away, he had kept record of all the people that he had baptized, all the marriages he had done. And uh, one of the things that I noticed when we were there at the funeral is that there were at least five people and it may have been seven people that he had mentored that became pastors um and there was one point in time when i was actually in college there were three guys in the college department so that all three of us went into the ministry for at least a little while and just a just a good guy and i I feel like that's kind of like what lois and eunice did in another passage of scripture uh, Paul will say something similar where it's Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and others. And so our faith really should be pouring into others and watching others grow in that faith. Uh, not in a way that they just grow and it's only for themselves, but in a way that they grow and it it can't help but overflow and pour onto other people around them as well. So our, if our ministry is limited to ourself, um, if what we do in this life is limited to just what we get out of it, We've lived a sad life and missed a lot of the good stuff that God has for us. You know, I was just thinking about while you guys were talking about um, maybe you don't really think about it sometimes when you're in the church setting and and wonder why different people like older than you are are taking the time to do that. But it's actually they're following what happened in Scripture way back then. Yeah, Mm -hmm. following that example, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, it's a – it's just kind of making me think about you know why why we do what we do nowadays in a church you know and how we try to mentor somebody else or in our own uh, loose way teach uh, somebody below us or not below us but behind us or you know you know what I'm saying not as far not down as far the road as we are yeah. yeah but it's it's actually uh, that's actually scriptural that's exactly <laughs> what they were he was doing with Timothy there wasn't it he was kind of. A lot of people, you know, look at pastors especially and go, you know, what seminary did you go to? and What degree did you get? You know, when I look back on my life, God had me in seminary a long, long time before I ever signed up to go to seminary. 
Um, I remember even just as a, a young married person, we went to a little church, and uh, the pastor there, you know, Leonard Markham, he took him and his wife took a lot of interest in Susan and I, and he uh, he invited me to go to Tuesday night visitation, and I went with him on Tuesday night visitation. Uh, I learned how to really, you know, share Christ with somebody, and I, I noticed that he would say. Is that something you could do right now? He kind of called for them to respond, and that that served me, you know. Later in life, I, I've looked at that, and um, but just how they encouraged us to, and let us teach class and let us do things within the church. But I've had that uh, my whole life. There's been people in my home church that let me do youth revival things or. Let me teach a class, and they would come up. Hey, have you ever thought about being a preacher? No, no, absolutely not. You know, you'd kind of run from that a little bit or push back from that. But uh, it's kind of cool when you when you really look back. It, it wasn't just one episode in your life, but God orchestrates all those things and puts those people around you to be an encourager, uh, to help you. And uh, I don't I don't think we put enough value in that. And here, Paul, who's talking to this young pastor friend. He's reminding him of all these other people that has been in his life to kind of encourage him to keep doing what you're doing. I, I think it would be safe to say, wouldn't it, that you don't have to be a preacher for this to happen to you. Oh, no. I mean, you can if, if you're just involved with other Christian people uh, in and out of church, I think I think any of you, any of you could sit back and just think about where you are in your life, and you can think back about people uh, maybe that God – uh, put around you and you picked up this and that from here and that and and then you become this uh, whatever you are now i mean you might be a you might teach a class in a mm-hmm. sunday school i think you could sit around kind of look in your past and see some things that happened along the way that brought you to that spot and and gave you the ability to do that uh so that's like you know i don't think i you know i'm i'm big on the uh taking the magic out of Christianity for me it's got to be kind of real and authentic for me to believe it and so I, I find it not magical that I'm sitting in this seat today talking to three preachers for a broadcast I find that nothing magical about it because I can look at my past and see all the things that happen uh, in spite of me screwing some of it up I can see all the things that's happened that have led me to sit at this table with you guys today and I fully understand it and it and and I can say it wasn't anything I did. You're sitting there; it's not anything you did. I don't think you had to be you. You, know, you got to be yourself. And I guess I'll let him take you where wherever you're going to go on that journey. Put the right people around you. But yeah, I don't think it's magic at all. I think it's exactly what it's Paul's obedience. doing with Timothy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of make yourself available. And you know, on the one hand, it's not really magic um, because God just weaves things out there where it feels natural. But if you if you really take a step back from it and consider it, God is in control, and he's the one that's actually causing those circumstances to happen. And so where it just looks natural and this is just a, a result of our circumstances, God is actually the one that's in charge of that. Yeah. And I think that's cool to know that, that God is the one that places mentors in our life, both to positively let us know these are the things that we're supposed to think, but then also negatively say these are the things you shouldn't think. And so that got me to thinking, like, um, how did he, your your friend, your mentor, correct your behavior? Was he able to point back to something? Was it experience? Was it the oh, it's Bible? Scripture. Yeah, it's scripture. scripture. Yeah, because we were talking about something, 
in, in the church. And uh, he's like, well, he said, I hate to have to tell you this. He said, but I don't see that ever explained in Scripture. And he just kind of, I mean, he was just as gentle as could be about it. But he just went back and, you know, pointed me right back to the Bible. I'm like, all right, Holly. Yep, you're right. How and recent then, was that? Oh, um, within the last two months. And was actually. he somebody, how far back does his relationship with you go? Years, many years. Yeah. I mean, that's just really cool. Yeah. And I love I love the fact that he pointed back to Scripture. Yeah, and that's the it, key, right? Yeah. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't philosophy. It wasn't uh, his thoughts. It wasn't other people's thoughts. That's it wasn't right. uh, scientific. It was, it was like, let's just go back to what Scripture says. Scripture is one of those things that really kind of moors us, that, that grounds right. us, that anchors us us to something that's worth being anchored to. And so when life hits and storm happens, uh, we have something that, that keeps us safe. But the yeah, the sad thing about that is a lot of the stuff that's in Scripture, if you don't spend time studying it, uh, it can kind of seem antiquated, especially in relation to what our culture says nowadays. And it's it's kind of disheartening that some of the stuff that, Scripture is really firm on our society is also really firm on in the opposite direction. What are some of those things that you guys see that Scripture is like? This is it's clear and easy. This is what it's supposed to be, and then uh, society is like, mm, we're going to do the exact opposite. You guys have any examples that you guys kind of recognize and see? Well, I think even Scripture answers itself in some of that. You know, Solomon says there is nothing new under the sun. So. Even though we're in a different generation and a different world, different technology, different thoughts, it's really very basic when you go back to uh, man is prideful, man is selfish, man is looking to please himself. And so anything that we could pick, you know, we could say uh, Internet gambling. Well, there's nothing about Internet gambling in the Bible. Yeah, there is. You know, Jesus says, hey, you need to seek after the things of the kingdom of God not all this other stuff, you know. Let let that stuff kind of take care of itself. We're to we're to be good stewards with our money, and so all the things that we think are really new, um, family, what defines a family, how do we deal with marriages and brokenness, all of that stuff is is in there, and I think we try to make it. Well, we don't try to make it. Satan and his his army of demons wants us to think it's an antiquated book and it doesn't apply. It always applies because God's eternal, His Word is eternal, and and we're the ones that benefit from that. Uh, you know, good wisdom is always good wisdom. You know, things like, hey, forgive somebody. Man, that's good wisdom. Uh, if we don't, then what we become is bitter. You know, we become bitter towards other people, and that, that handles every generation. I don't think there's anything new to that. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the more time I spend in Scripture, early on when I started to read the Bible, there'd be things I would read and, and they would just frustrate me. I don't know if you guys had that experience, but you'd read it and you're like, wow, that just doesn't sound right. I mean, is that really the case? And and I would want to look at it and try to think of ways that I could work around what the Bible would clearly say is, is the case. And I would approach scripture as I would want to change what was in there. But the more time that I spend in scripture, the more that I am being changed by that scripture unless that I'm trying to approach it and change that scripture. And I'll, it, I'll just tell you, uh, uh, I'm not I'm not a preacher, and I could see where it would be difficult to be in y'all's shoes right now at this place in history 
uh, it's very interesting when the culture is trying so hard to uh, tell each other that things that are uh, talked about in that Bible pretty explicitly are not what the Bible says they are. I mean, the culture is trying really hard, and it's, this is nothing new either. I'm sure That's this right. has been going on since the beginning of time. But the culture is trying really, really hard in our country right now to change the meaning of a lot of things that are explicitly talked about in the Bible that are not what the culture is trying to turn them into. So I think what you were saying is uh, the words in the Bible – are true all the time, always have been, always will be. Mm-hmm. It's 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 tough to swim through the culture and stick to the truth. It's but tough. the more time that you spend in Scripture, the more that Scripture shapes your thinking rather than culture shaping your thinking. Yeah, and so it. So are you saying that the culture could stand to be more in it themselves? And Michael, we need oh, to yeah. understand this isn't anything new. Nope. Uh, I'll I'll refer to my resident expert, Jason. So how many thousands of years from Adam and Eve's story to Christ? Probably three or four thousand years. Uh, depends on who you okay. We'll talk pick a to. number. <laughs> <laughs> four to six. So several thousand years, yeah. right? Without getting technical, yeah. we're, we're talking at least like six to ten thousand years. Okay, so several thousand years, and the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, "Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife?" So what they were challenging Jesus on was this idea of marriage. How much in our culture today is being just shattered by our ideals of marriage? What does Jesus do? He takes them back to the Scripture, to the beginning, and says, Have you not read, God created them man and woman? God created them and put them together. And so even in Jesus' day, the culture is focused on, can it be something new and different for us? And Jesus keeps going, no, go back to the original source. Mm. This is what it is. And I think that's where we struggle. There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, Didn't Eve do a little of this right off the bat? Oh, yeah. That's right. God's word was challenged (laughs) immediately. Right off the bat. Yeah. So it is nothing new. It is nothing new, right, That, that people are trying to define God instead of God defining who we are. And as much as we bang our head against the wall and get mad at God, um, the reality is you will never find your full purpose until you find God and let him start. I mean, we've talked about pets today. You mm-hmm. know, you know, some of your favorite pets were the ones that were obedient. Mm-hmm. If, if you have a pet, <laughs> yeah. if you have a pet yeah. that pees on the floor every morning for 10 years, at some point you're like, this is no fun anymore. But it's the pet that you can train and have some fun with. And, yeah, they make mistakes along the way. But those are our favorite pets, man. Even my deaf dog, she was fun because she would go with me. She would do things. You could play fetch. You know, a turtle, that's no fun as a pet. (laughs) My daughter had one of those. They don't do anything. (laughs) They smell. Right? Right. So what makes a fun relationship? Well, what makes a good relationship with God? When we let him teach us how to behave as his followers instead of us trying to define who he is. It seems seems pretty simple, but again, that's just my brain. It's very simple. One of the things that I noticed when we're this past week we were looking through some different stuff. There, you know, there's these lists in scripture where it says, don't do these or do these. And 
one of the things that I just kind of recognized this time reading through Scripture is that every single one of those things that it says not to do really are self-destructive. And so God says not to do them. It's not really a list of do's and don'ts that God puts those in Scripture for. He says don't do these things because he knows the hurt and harm that it's going to cause you and those around you. And so when God says don't do this, it's really God's way of protecting us and blessing us from the danger and trials and difficulty that comes along with just going lockstep and barrel with what the culture says. And so when God says don't do this, and the culture says something exact opposite, you can be sure of the fact that doing it God's way is always in your best interest. So how do you, how do you, uh, uh, you know, obviously there are some hidden things that we're not saying out loud when we're talking right now about the culture and what they're trying to change. How do you, uh, how do you, as well, as a preacher, pastor, or as a layman Christian that's just trying to, be helpful to the world around you. How do you approach these things? What do you do? I mean, do you uh, do you just immediately argue with people? I mean, what do you? How do you? Do, how do you handle this? There was a book I read a while back, and it was um, this woman wrote a book on the Bible, and in researching the Bible, she came from a particular perspective, and then she approached somebody that knew more about the Bible, so that she could write this book. And in the process of doing that, her whole world was changed upside down. And and that book really kind of was instructive for me and how you approach loving somebody well that has a different perspective than you. And really what it comes down to is the people that turned her life upside down for the better, uh, completely changed what her perspective was before, they loved her. First and foremost, they loved her. Secondly, they welcomed her in. And when they welcomed her in, they earned the right to share God's truth with her. Mm. And it was a process, and it is messy. When you begin to unravel um, what your life is is uh, kind of knitted around, when you begin to unravel that, there's a lot of frayed edges. And you have to earn the right to help somebody unravel that, and you have to earn the right to help them knit themselves into something better. Um, you have to walk with somebody, and it's difficult. But love somebody, love them well enough that you invite them in, and then walk with them through every stage of life. And I think that's that's how you how you rule. You make real and lasting change. What if they don't think what you're trying to uh, tell them is better? The woman in the story that I shared with you didn't think that what they were saying was better, but it was in the process of just sharing the truth of the Bible loving her and welcoming her in, making her a part of their lives, that her life was turned upside is, down for the better. Is this the old thing about just let the Bible speak? You don't have to you argue for the Bible. You just, you just let, yeah. you love somebody, live the Bible out in their lives mm-hmm. while sharing God's truth as well. You know, we're we're a people that likes instant gratification, mm-hmm. instant success. And even in the church, I will say if you've got a broken arm, boy, we know how to f- we know how to jump in, fix you some tater salad and some beans and we'll mow the yard for you to help you get through that. But if you have a broken mind mm-hmm. or a broken spirit or a broken heart, we really kind of struggle with knowing how to do that because it is going to be messy, it's going to be more long-term. We're going to have to stay in this with you for a long time. And I I think, you know, We've started off talking our own ministries and looking back over it. I'm glad God 
put more people and different people in my life to get me to where he has me today because I wasn't ready for it. Even good things. I mean, even as a Christian, I wasn't ready for being a pastor. I wasn't ready for that. But God was patient with me. He kept putting those people in my life to help mold and make us what he wants us to be. And we're still, I mean, God's still putting new people into my life that helps get some of those burrs out of out of my saddle, you know, that mm. things that a few years ago I'd get really ticked off about and maybe spout off about. And God maybe shows you a different way to handle that now. And what do we do with people who disagree with us in the Bible? They're not fighting against you. They're really fighting against their own insanity. Yeah. They know that. I mean, they, they even call them things like the walk of shame. But they try to laugh about it. They try to joke about it. Uh, I just heard recently, this blows my mind, that people will spend X number of hundreds of dollars to go out all weekend and drink all weekend, and then Monday morning get up real early and spend another hundreds of dollars to go have an IV put in their arm to run some fluids and stuff to get them ready to go to work. Well, what's all that about? Well, I've put so much poison into my life that I'm going to have to have this good thing in my life to help get the poison out of my life. And we look at that and go, that's insanity. Why would you do that to yourself? But they laugh about it, and they talk about it and brag about it, but it's not good for them. And not only do they laugh and talk and brag about it, they wonder why in the world you don't do it with yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do we do that? As Christian people, do we kind of – yeah, we pick our own poisons. It's kind of just kind of yeah. thinking maybe we do. I, I heard a, uh, I heard someone say this week that uh, salvation is really an easy thing, but sometimes, sometimes if uh, sometimes people uh, look at salvation as uh, uh, they're 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 uh, buying into or accepting a savior. But in reality, the first step is accepting a Lord, which they went on to explain. It's pretty obvious, but that uh, people want a savior, save me, and then go do whatever I'm going to do. I'm saved. They're not willing to surrender. To surrender. And it was very vivid the way they talked about this. It made me stop and think, do I do that? <laughs> do I do that once in a while? Do you know when when I was saved, was I was I accepting His lordship over me, or was I trying to get a savior to save my butt? Right. Yeah. You know, and all of this that we're talking about today, it's one big cycle. You know, we started off talking about the people that poured into us. Uh, we talk about you know when when folks are trusting in Jesus as their savior uh, and their Lord. And, but that's not the end of it because as we've done that and now we are in ministry, you know, or teaching Sunday school or just being a, a Christian lay leader in a church, a servant in the church, we need to carry on the cycle and keep pouring in to others. Sometimes we'll say the next generation. Well, yeah, we need to pour into the next generation. We need to pour into the current generation. We need to pour into the ones that are older than us that may not have that walk with the Lord like like we should have. Uh, you know, that's what Paul did with Timothy. He was equipping him. He was pouring into him because Paul wasn't going to stay. He's going to get called home eventually to heaven, and somebody needed to continue to work. And for us, you know, it's uh, it's kind of exciting 
we've been in the ministry for a number of years, and I'm sure we can all look now and see ones that maybe were in our ministry 20 years ago, 15, 10 years ago, and now they're serving, you know, and, and you, you see them in different parts of the country. Some are in other parts of the world. Some are lay leaders. Some are in the ministry. Some are ordained ministers, and they are continuing on with this cycle, and uh, you can keep up with them. That's one of the things I love about Facebook. Uh, you get to see good things like that on there, and now you're seeing, oh, look at that young fella. Now he is a youth pastor, and now he is pouring into younger folks, just like I poured into that kid, you know, when, when he was a kid, you know, and, and just watching this cycle just continue on, sharing what I know, encouraging others, and along the way you're going to see some of them, you know. Same way they did in this uh, scripture we've been reading today. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, we had something really cool happen yesterday, and, and sometimes you get a glimpse into that. You've been, I hate to say in the game, but you've been doing this long enough, you get those glimpses, and you really don't even understand in the moment how it's all going to work out. Uh, so yesterday we had a, a great service. We, get, we had the opportunity to baptize four people. Mm-hmm. But as I just reflected back over these four people and who they were, independently to out of those four are directly connected to one couple in our church. And I went to them and told them how much I appreciated them. And then I began to think back to their story because when they came to our church, um, they were Christians but had uh, a lot of growing to do um, and basically I think came at first just to play volleyball. Somebody had invited them to play volleyball and then they get a little more involved and they get a little more involved and then as of yesterday, I was like, wow, this one couple has influenced these two individuals, one a grown man and another a young girl, but their names are tied to these two people's story. And I thought about, you know, as we read through this, you really just never know uh, how God is going to use you and your story and, um, you know, what what you've done in the past. We always think about our mistakes, and that You know, we always think about – I've messed up here and I've messed up there. But you know what? God even takes our puny efforts to try to be a Christian, to try to mentor somebody. I've really tried. There's been times in my life where I'm like, I'm going to mentor this guy. And you start pouring into him, and then he stops showing up to the coffee shop and then doesn't talk to you a few years later. And you think, golly, that was just a waste of time. I guess I didn't know what I was doing. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you look, and you're like, oh, wow. I had at least a small part in this group, and they had a – Part in these two people that were baptized yesterday. Thank you, God. You know, thank you for showing me that. But it's a real celebration. But it's a good reminder too. We need to continually look to people to pour into them. Yeah. Or maybe just maybe uh, you have set a foundation for how God is going to use you in their life later. Right. And it might take right. years before they come to that place where they're ready and willing to trust and accept Jesus. Yeah. Would you say it's a good idea just to do the thing that's in front of you to do? Obedience is merely doing today what God has laid before you. That's today. what obedience. Obedience is not a harsh word. Mm-mm, it's not. Mm-mm. Well, depends on who it comes from, but if it's coming from God. It's not usually a harsh thing. Depends on obedience thing. is hard uh, depending on who your master is. Yep. Well, that's what I was saying, but I just yeah. said it like a hillbilly would say it. Yeah. <laughs> we we don't serve <laughs> a harsh job. master. Thank you. Just be who you are, right? Thank you so much. You know, in faith, you know, sometimes we think we have to have this big faith. God talked, or Jesus talks a lot about if you had a little bit of faith, like a mustard seed, that you could move this mountain. I heard somebody kind of explain that the other day. They said, you don't need a big 
faith, you need a little faith in a big God. Mm-hmm. I was like, I like that. Which yeah. which is uh, that's already there. I like that's that. already set up, for right? You. I like that. <laughs> the equation is already set up. Yeah, yeah. All you have to do is believe. Is what I understand. You got it. You believe, you'll be saved. If you're listening to us, you haven't, but now you do. If you'll say that to him, you'll be saved. Period. And then the rest of it is Paul and Timothy and stuff like that. Is that correct? I didn't go to school, but I think for this, but I think you're that's on it. Kind of correct. Yep. It's pretty close. It's good stuff. Yeah, uh, I encourage you to be saved. And you don't even, yeah. You know, Michael, we try to figure it all out. And just like you said, there's sometimes people come and they just want Jesus as their Savior, and then they don't realize, oh, he's going to be my Lord too. But guess what? If he ever comes into your life, he's going to be what he is going to be, and there's nothing you can do about it. He, if he is your Savior, he is your Lord. You don't get one without the other. That is true. You know, And it's kind of <laughs> like us. We didn't know what we were getting into when we got married. Yeah. Thought I, thought I kind of knew what I was doing, Knew I thought I knew what love was. And you just standing there like a sheep led to the slaughter. I do. <laughs> but seriously, seriously, you know, thirty years later, you look. He loves back. you, Susan. I do. I do. Thirty does, years later, yeah. you look back and you go, "Wow, look what God has done by my obedience and stepping out and putting yourself out there and and just doing what you feel like God wanted you to do." And and you didn't know what marriage was going to be. You had no clue. So why do we think we we know? I had no clue when I walked down to the preacher and looked at him and said, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> and some of you might be going, well, that's no way to get saved, really? I still – I don't know about you, but I still – I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. I need a Savior. I, I want to be in heaven. I want to be with him. And, you know, as a child – you may communicate that differently, but as an adult, isn't that kind of the same thing? I don't want to be separated from God. We may say it in different words, but the reality is we don't want to go to hell. And then our walk, with it's like, oh, that's even better than I thought it was going to be. You know, marriage is better than I thought it was going to be. Oh, good save. Right? You're welcome. <laughs> you cleaned that Romance up. Romance is in the air. Clean up on aisle H. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. Three I just bozos. realized, uh, I just realized uh, that uh, I got so involved in this conversation and so interested that I didn't buzz a single thing. <laughs> but Just go ahead and hit it three or yeah, four times. No, no, no. I have a specific thing I'm going to buzz. And I've been meaning to do this for several episodes, <laughs> and it's time. You know that sound that uh, churchy people make as they're talking about this stuff, and once in a while they'll go, mm. 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 <laughs> I'm just going to start buzzing those because it's that's one of those churchy things. It's not a spoken churchy thing. It's like, Don't you say you know, that when you eat a good steak? That's mm. a different. That's like a, mm. Oh, okay. You know, this other one's like, mm. Uh. mm. <laughs> <laughs> Come get buzzed with Mike get the Baptist. buzzed on Mike the Baptist. Okay, yeah, so before we totally wreck this section. Right. Good talk, fellas. Appreciate your good talks. Uh, they're good talks. I don't think they land where they're supposed to land. Speaking of landing and buzzing, we're going to take a break, come back, play in your Audi. Stay with us. We have one main goal at Mike the Baptist, and that's to talk about Bible stuff in a way that's easier to understand while getting to know other Christian people in a front porch friendly kind of way. 
Sometimes churchy talk gets in the way of listening to what God's Word is actually saying to us personally. And frankly, churchy talk is just kind of boring at times. So on Mike the Baptist, we're trying to simplify the message and put it into the same kinds of words we actually use every day, which we hope will help you make it easier to put those words into action to improve your own life today. As Mike the Baptist grows, so does the time it takes to put it all together. And as we transition into a full-time project, we have less time to try and make a living outside of these efforts. So if you like what we're up to, and you think we should keep it up, we simply suggest you consider helping us do that by supporting us right now through our merchandise offerings at MikeTheBaptist.com. It really is that simple. We have to eat and pay electric bills, just like everybody else. And for now, our merchandise section at MikeTheBaptist.com is our sole source of financial support for the program. You'll find a good selection of tees and hoodies there in all kinds of sizes and colors, which we think you'll like. It really is that simple, and we do need your support. Thanks for being a part of this journey, and we all look forward to finding out even more of what's in that Bible through our simple and sometimes silly talks on Mike the Baptist. Hey, everybody, it's time to play America's almost favoritest new game show, Any or Audi, where we challenge our guests to figure out if a phrase we give them is actually in the Bible or out of the Bible. Sharpen your wits, guest. You're about to be in the hot seat of Bible stuff because you're the next contestant on Any or Audi. Here's Mike. Today on In Your Audi, uh, Jason and HD are in the power positions against Kuntz and I and whichever other winds up being not in the power <laughs> position. It's, it gets a little confusing. Just watch or listen and uh, be I amazed. quit trying to Just explain be this. Sit back and be amazed. Sit back and be amazed. Speaking of amazed, yes. uh, HD, what do you got for us? All right. We're so ready. You know the song, Three Blind Mice. <laughs> Is that in Scripture? No. Okay. <laughs> I was going to have the my phrase, intro on that one. The blind leading the blind. Oh. We hear that a lot. Oh, that's just the blind leading the blind. We do hear that a lot. So. You know what? I'm just going to say, H. Yes. You made Jason look up in the sky like he's pondering. And yes. Now, usually Jason will say, I got him on this. Well, there's a there's a specific passage of scripture that I know that that references. I'm trying to think through whether that's the exact phrasing that is used there. No, you're uh, thinking of three wise men. No, <laughs> three blind wise men or something. The blind leading the blind. Yeah. You know, wait. You said there's a passage of scripture. That there's re- a specific passage of scripture that immediately jumped into my mind, but I'm trying to think of. The way I it's actually at my phrased. phone, but since yeah. I am in the power no, position, no, no, you, you're allowed because the way you're it's actually phrased. Hmm. Blind leading the blind. That was that's the phrase. Blind leading the blind. Oh my goodness! So obviously, we're going to have the conversation that you know the concept is in there. We bring that up a lot when we don't know for sure, right? And we're trying it to talk us, it through. Makes us feel this right. a little salve, exactly. <laughs> for well, the, the burn, the that concept we get. is there, of course, in scripture. Yes, yes. I I think it's in there, and the passage that I'm thinking of is when Jesus is talking to, I believe it's the Pharisees, and he says, uh, "The blind leading the blind, will they not both fall into a pit?" I think is the passage, but it may be phrased a little bit differently than that. Um, 
but I, I do know that Jesus references one blind person leading another blind person. But I can't remember if it's that exact phrasing. And that's what's driving me nuts. <laughs> I was hoping you'd be a little confident about that. Mm. You're hoping he'd be confident? Yes. Or, well, he was not overly. He didn't have the coonch confidence. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the way that you said that makes me think it's not phrased that way. <laughs> Kuntz, I, I I'm no. leaning towards no. Yeah. Just because of the phrase, blind leading the blind. I don't know. I'm thinking it's in there. You are thinking it's I, in there. I'm thinking it is. Um, hmm. Is that all you said? The blind leading the blind? the blind. Yeah. And Jason, you're the thing that jumped into your head, as you said. <laughs> uh, it's a gas bubble. Which I picture like trampoline. Right. Or, um, what did you say? You said So there's this passage of scripture yes. where uh, it's in, I think, multiple places in the gospel, probably all three synoptic gospels. But Jesus is talking to a group of people, and I think it's the Pharisees, and he says uh, something to the effect of, the blind lead the blind, will they not both fall into a pit? I know the phrase, will they not both fall into a pit, is in there, but I'm trying to remember whether the blind leading the blind well, that's the one we need to know about <laughs> i know by and the way by the way the, pitfall the, was a good game the, uh, on atari the, by the p way. is after the s in yeah. gospel just for future reference they say that again did i just, say gopsel you said gopsel but, oh, oh good times a little dyslexic <laughs> it just threw me a little bit well the uh my interiority today may make more sense oh, once i bring that up okay good. let's not jump ahead in the future <laughs> yeah i need an answer i think yeah. that exact phrase is not in there i just can't mm. i can't I, I don't, out i don't think it's that exact phrase i i don't think it's that exact phrase now it could say that the blind being led by the blind or something but he said the blind leading the blind right? yeah i don't i don't think that exact phrase is in there i think I it's don't either again so, the concept is there, but I don't think that exact phrasing is okay, there. Okay, I've, I've done this before and been successful with this this phrase. I'm going with Audi based on it's not the exact phrase. Uh, I'm going to go with Audi, not the exact phrase. Coons? Any. Oh, yeah. Do you have that it memorized? Head. You have that verse memorized, don't no, you? No, I don't. Well, that has some Coons confidence. I mean, that, yeah, it does. I've seen that I'm going to stick with too. my answer, but boy. His confidence right there. No, there's no confidence there. It's just, nah, I'm just going to be stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) It's just stubborn. Okay, we got two outies and an innie. Okay. So, Matthew, gosh, if I could see this. You want some glasses? There's like 80 pairs laying around here. 15, 14, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind... Oh, we'll fall into a pit. Dun, dun, dun. Coots gets the applause here because you're right. Yeah, it was a lucky guess. And now, here's the reaction for Jason and I who were wrong. Boo. (laughs) Okay, so that was was a good one, though. But see, there's another example of people say that all the time. Is that scriptural or is that not? Okay, good job, H. I think that's a clear overthinking it on my part. <laughs> Man. <laughs> a clear overthinking it. Golly. What's that stuff that jumped in your mind there? It, I knew the exact passage. I knew the exact passage, but I just, I overthought. Oh. Yeah, I was just in the middle. I just, it didn't sound like exactly. I know, right? But Okay, good job. Jason? The Bible encourages some people to get drunk. Hmm. Huh? Is the Bible your... encourages some people to get drunk. That's my inner Audi. 
Is the that an Bible or encourages drunk? some people to get drunk. Uh, this this is a trick anyrati question. It's got trick written all over it. Would the Bible encourage you to sin? Drunkenness is always a sin. Well, of course, I would say Audi then. <laughs> I mean, drunkenness is a sin. There's no way around that one. I mean, there's a there's a portion where you know uh, one is encouraged to drink a little wine for your stomach. You know, but for what a health about, reason. What about the phrase? And this is probably where you know he's he, trying to get us. This is what he's doing. He's trying to get us. The <laughs> phrase: "Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die." Oh, I actually wasn't thinking about that passage. So, That's interesting that you bring that one up. So <laughs> it's kind of like just go ahead and enjoy the things of this life. So is that an encouragement to do that or just a statement that that's what people think? And was that was that talking about alcohol? I'll let you know that's not the passage I'm thinking about. So Well, we're just having fun talking about that. Have fun yeah, talking about that, but that's not the passage. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. <laughs> well, see, um, I, encur- I, the Bible the encouraging part. Yeah. The again. Bible encourages some people to get drunk. Some people. Oh, that's an idiot. I'm sorry, it's an idiot. Why? Why? All right, you know this. Why? What? Why? Am I supposed to tell you? Oh, you're on my, I'm on, my yeah, side. Yeah, we're on the same team. team. Come on, yeah. we're both Christians here. Uh, <laughs> be drunk in the spirit, but not in the... No, that's not what I'm thinking of. Okay, never mind. Actual wine. Never mind. He's clarified the alcohol content now, so... Yeah. Mm, well, no, that doesn't the Bible here. say that? To let's see be, here. Now, hold be, on, hold on. Filled uh, with. Be filled with But spirit, not yeah. drunken. Be uh, being filled a with. A lost spirit, person, drunkenness isn't their issue. A lost person... They're lost. That's their issue. It's not. It's not that they say bad things. It's not that they get drunk. Words of wisdom. It's, it's their lostness is their issue. What's that got to do with getting drunk on wine? Well, could you, wait? I mean, did you say wine? Encouraging or? a lost person no, just to said get drunk. Some people getting drunk. Some oh, people get drunk. I'm sorry. We were talking over. No, you're fine. I'm. I'm still trying to figure this out in my own brain. It's not working too well. Well, yeah. Well, that's, that was my question. Is what did that have to do with what he was talking about? What you were talking about? Yeah. Apparently not much. <laughs> Didn't Paul tell Timothy you have a stomach trouble? He said, so drink a little wine. Get drunk yeah. and pass out, and you'll feel better tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'll forget about it. <laughs> Where are we going after this take today? <laughs> Trade it for a headache tomorrow. Yeah. Why well, I opened the can of worms yeah. right? this one. That's right. kind of what I was yeah. hoping to do. Yeah. Well, you did. I'm, just, I'm going to have to say Audi because I just don't. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to say any because I'm just thinking the way Jason has said this. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking that. that I've wound up in the middle on it's both tricks now. Yeah, yeah it's a trick. A, there's a trick to it, and it's some kind of, you know, yeah, being being full of joy. It's the actual alcohol content. Yeah, Get drunk with actual alcohol. And your any your Addy was the Bible encourages some, some people to get drunk on alcohol. Yes. Oh, he had to think about that for a second. Do you see that? I don't know what that means, but I think Audi. I'm Audi. Rowdy. I'm gonna go any. Just any. All right, yeah, we got just, another split decision. Yeah. You, we don't usually get two. Split just because when he said some, I'm like, mm. okay. I'm just before we answer. <laughs> who are the some you may think it is? Mm. So it is a trick. No, I'm. I'm just like 
you guys are obviously clearly out, and you're like, wow, he's hung up on the word something. Well, Who are the some? We're Bible literalists, literalists over here. <laughs> Don't get drunk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's black and white. Yeah, very well, simple. Like I said, you can be married for tomorrow, you die. Thinking of that, thinking of celebration, um, and not just joyous heart, but just, you know, celebration. Um, I don't know. The sum part just, yeah. This is one that's fascinating. I I, I guess it could be in there where, uh, you know, if somebody's in such bad health, physical health, or it could be like a a drug. uh, Noah. Noah got drunk. Yeah, but that was a sin. God said that was a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad with yeah. Audi, though. Still Audi. I'm Audi. Still you know, Audi. I'm going to go in just to be different. Okay, so on uh, Proverbs 31.6, my passage moved. It says, give strong drink to the one who is perishing, and wine to those in bitter distress. And Michael, you hit it right on the head. That passage means... Somebody that's in bad physical health. It was not. I'm getting drunk to get drunk. It's. It was like dull a, a medicine to dull, dull the pain. pain. But were they being instructed to drink so much that they're drunk, or to take the? So he said, "Give strong <laughs> drink to them." Get, yeah. This was during the reign of King Solomon. Uh, strong drinks and wine were given to condemned criminals about to be executed to lessen their pain and suffering. Yeah. I'm still not convinced that means drunk, though. Me neither. So I, I put that out there yeah. just to let you guys have some No, it is because I'm a winner. <laughs> I'm a winner chicken dinner. <laughs> We're going to give you the win. Now, we'll give everybody uh, the win. I'm, I'm Everybody's pass. winner. Everybody gets a participation trophy. How many episodes have we done? Like, this may 30 be 30 right here. 30 on the 30th episode. I'm now 50 50. I'm taking it as a win. I'm taking it as a win. Good, good one, one Jason. Yeah, yeah good. that was Very really good. that was really good. Um, you know, that's such a I that's such a funny topic anyway in in churchy circles about drinking and stuff. It's so funny watching people talk about that. It's just so funny. much like morphine. That's what I was going to say. Morphine, same, what I was same saying. thing we do with yeah. people that are dying today. They didn't have morphine back then, but they that's would right. use what they had available to them. So the but trick it was for was a the way purpose. You said it encourages them to get drunk. So, See, it's the way you said it. So that's somebody somebody that's dying. It was. So is that the vinegar that they wanted to give Jesus, and he wouldn't take it? The vinegar on, uh, on a sponge. Yeah, it was. Well, the next step in a, vinegar is wine. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, when it ferments yeah. just a little longer, so mm-hmm. it was a fermented thing to yeah, help to reduce the, the pain. pain. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, "Nope, I'm going to take it all." You learned yeah. it all here, folks. Once again, we have educated ourselves ourselves <laughs> <laughs> to something you probably were sitting there saying, "I knew this the whole time." Yeah. Uh, anyway. Good the word ones. is shrinkle. I like those. Uh, That's my shrinkle brain. is the is the word. Uh, tinkricity. That's the one we came up with last time. Yeah, it means tinkering. It's the I guess it's uh, the yeah, artist act like of tinkering. The act of tinkering. Tinkricity. tinkricity. <laughs> I thought it was tinkering. <laughs> yes. Oh wow! What a great contestant and a fine sport today on Any or Audi, America's almost favorite new game show. Study up, future guest people. You're next in the hot seat for Any or Audi. In the tradition of church services throughout time and as you well know Mike the Baptist toes the line when it comes to structure <laughs> we're traditional how did you keep a straight face when you said that well I was waiting on somebody else to crack up and then I was gonna well I was laughing inside because it was kind of funny we don't really toe the line on anything that's part, part of the purpose of this program 
is we are trying to take high church themes, talk, stuff, and bring it down in the common language. And I think we do a good job of that. I think we, I think we dumb stuff down pretty good here. Mission accomplished. In the Mike the Baptist hymnal, uh, you know some hymns are a little odd. I think it's safe to say that, isn't it? Maybe it's because at the time some hymns are written hundreds, thousands, twenty-five years ago. At the time some hymns are written, the culture's a little different, so language is different, the mood's different, but you know the sentiment's always there in a hymn. That's one thing about a hymn: the sentiment's all always there. Hymn number one thirty-four in your Mike the Baptist hymnal, if you have it in front of you. If you don't, you quite likely know it anyway, because some of these old old hymns are just in there, right? Correct? Mm-hmm. Sure. You look like an angel. Look like an angel. Walk like an angel. Walk like an angel. Talk like an angel. But I got wise. You're the devil in disguise. Oh, yes, you are the devil in disguise. I thought that I was in heaven. But I was sure surprised. Heaven help me, I didn't see the devil in your eyes. You look like an angel. Walk like an angel. Walk like an angel. Talk like an angel. But I got wise. You're the devil in disguise. Oh, yes, you are the devil in disguise. Oh, yes, you are. We are just Christians. Trying not to sound awful when we sing somebody else's really good song. Or cuss. Exactly. See you next time, if you choose to come back, (laughs) and if we choose to come back. (laughs) 